That's the podcast coach for November 19th, 2016. Let's get ready to podcast. Oh, there it is. How, 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 how. It is Saturday morning. Welcome to Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live every Saturday, 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting, and joining me right over there is the one and only Jim Cullison from TheAverageGuy.tv. How's it going, Jim? Greetings, Dave. Happy Saturday morning to you. Always good to be back on Ask the Podcast Coach in our pre-Black Friday show edition of Ask the Podcast Coach. Is there really a pre-Black Friday? Because I swear everything is like... Month. Now there's yeah. like... There's Black Friday, but now they're all the pre-Black Friday sales. Now pretty soon, like next year, we'll have pre-pre... Like we'll have pre-Black Halloween... You Halloween, know. Black Friday. Yeah. It's crazy. Fourth of July, Black Friday. Friday. These are the sales. I, it's hard to tell anymore online is that sales stuff. Daniel does a nice job uh, every mm-hmm. year of kind of tracking the Black Friday sales for podcasters. So if you haven't, uh, if you haven't followed Daniel from that standpoint, yeah. he always does a bang up job of making sure you got the right deals. Podcastdeals.com. Go over Absolutely. and sign up for his newsletter. Right. He, uh, that's a great he idea. does it so you don't have to. Exactly. Podcasting deals. Thank you, Daniel. Sorry about that. Uh, and um, he's so particular. Yeah, he wants me to give the right address. So exact. <laughs> uh, Ross is shooting off the right off the bat. Why does it take two days for an iTunes review to show up? That's a good. When I first saw that question, I thought, Why does it take two days for it to show to show up in iTunes? Period. Batch processing. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I'm sure, the way they wrote that is that all those all those reviews get stored up it, it, in the day. It probably made sense when they weren't getting as many as they thought they did. They would. Come in and run something against them just to make sure they probably filter. I bet they filter some out for profanity and some of those right. things. Maybe not. But that database that ha- that handles all those comments and gets them posted processing takes hours, if not days, to complete. And so I bet there's some kind of process that runs that just kind of makes it, you know, uh, makes it work that way. It may take a day a full day for them to update every single comment that's out there into the system. That's a huge database. So, it's you huge. know, it, it could be something as simple as that as the developer when they wrote it didn't anticipate the scalability of it. And so now it's taken them 18 hours to update that database. And so they only run it every two days. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in iTunes that when it comes to podcasting that they didn't think that yeah. they would end up with 250,000 of these things. Um, Oftentimes, software developers don't think about when they're putting stuff together, they'll test it with maybe tens of thousands. And then in their own success, it's not ready for millions, you yeah. know? And, and so scalability is really, really important in that area. And I, I, Dave, I can't tell you how many times we've seen, I think the guys at Blab struggled with this. I think FireTalk, if it got popular, could struggle with this where they test the system on a smaller audience than they think. I think this is why Blab can only support really 50, what, 50 to 100 before the thing would throw up on itself (laughs) because it wasn't built. Whoever built it didn't think necessarily all the way through like what would happen or didn't know. Like that's the hard part. Like sometimes we just don't know what's going to happen in the systems when we get to that level. Daniel from the Audacity to Podcast says, I suspect there's some kind of uh, grading algorithm that puts some podcast reviews into a moderation queue. He says, for example, explicit podcasts might need to be filtered to ensure explicit language isn't used in their reviews. And of course, um, he would know because he's the guy behind my podcast reviews, 
which he, you can find at uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash MPR, which is my affiliate link. And um, Mike Phillips is like Blab? Yeah. Yeah, Mike exa- exactly. I haven't seen Mike in a while. Yeah. Nice to Mike, see you, buddy. welcome back. Yeah, I, I can't find my, uh, where is my buzzer? My buzzer's gone. I have all sorts of other things. But uh, that is odd. Where's all my sound effects? But anyway, um, Daniel or Randy says, I think it took my first review five years to be published. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that note from Daniel I, and I don't push reviews very hard, but I get that monthly reminder from Daniel every month that says you have no reviews. Oh, and that's always a great way to strike the day. <laughs> You're like, oh, thanks for reminding me that globally yes. I didn't have any reviews. And we don't, it, on Home Gadget Geeks, we do not push that aspect at all. I never talk about reviews. So I don't, why should I expect any, right? I, and if I did ask for some, I bet my audience would probably put some out there. And I just, it's just, I push so many other things on them. I just yeah. feel bad about like an iTunes review. I feel like, if I get it, it's just that much more recognition. Like if I'm asking for it and I get it, like I know the guys who are going to give it, right? And so you're like, well, I thank you. Thanks for doing that. You're very, very kind. But I feel like now when I get an iTunes review, it's a genuine, honest, real live thing because we never asked for it. So they're really valuable to me now. Yeah. Or when I'm asking all the time. Hmm, you know. Yeah. Jessica Rhodes from the uh, Roads to Success, and that's R-H-O-D-E-S. Uh, was talking with Corey Coates, who's the guy from um, uh, podfly.net. And they were saying that um, how they, they always think they should go write a review for a, a podcast. They're like, if something was like really good, they're like, oh, I should reward this person with a review. And they say they still don't do it. They say, so when they actually do get a review, they realize that, wow, I must have really moved this person or something like that. And yeah, the chat room is saying reviews. And don't you wish there was a way that like every podcaster could opt into like an email list? And I don't know who would would govern this thing so that every now and then when we all agree on something, we could say, this is what we the podcasters believe, because even Cliff Ravenscraft, who I don't agree with a lot of what he says, especially when it comes to feed burner, remind me that later, um, is um, he even came out and said new and noteworthy waste of time. And I, in this morning, I always go over to uh podcasters hangout, that Facebook group. And there was somebody who's like, Hey, I think new and noteworthy or, or whatever category was in has been stuck. It's the same people for the last five weeks. And, um, it was like, we're, so I just put, I went over to my clamor. I'm like, here's another person saying, so I, I now have cliff on a clamor saying it's a waste of time. I have Elsie Escobar. I have Rob Walsh. I have numerous people just saying, would you please quit? With the new and noteworthy stuff. Yeah. Cliff still podcast. This is on the, uh, the Cliff Ravenscraft show now. Uh, it's not the podcast answer man, although he's known as the podcast answer man. And, uh, I still listen to, uh, I still listen to Cliff. He's, um, he's an inter- he doesn't talk about podcasts. Like he's done like two episodes on email marketing now. Uh, but every now and then he will throw in a, a, a bit. He is a, he's a, well, number one, he's a nice guy if you ever meet him, but he is, I, I will admit, I listen to Cliff on a, uh, on, on two X. Well, Dave, when we talk about reviews, I think you know, for me this week, I got a couple of reviews. One, Randy Cantero was on my show last week. If you missed it, it's a good one to listen to. So if you want to go back, Home Gadget Geeks, not a lot of technology, but we talk a lot about music and hi-fi and Wi-Fi and some of those things. And Randy's a great interview. So if you ever, you ever want a great guest on your show, have Randy on your show. He's awesome, knows a lot of good, knows a lot of good stuff, uh, leaning toward wisdom is his podcast. But I got one of my listeners contacted me through I am on 
on Facebook and just left me a personal like, hey, Jim, I just want to tell you, I really appreciated the show with Randy, blah, 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 blah. And I immediately copy and pasted that to Randy and said, hey, just I, I want to let you know this is what my, what the listeners are saying. Those are the that's the feedback I appreciate most when I get a personal email or when I get a note on IM. They don't have to post it to public. Yeah. It's just so nice to get those. And I get, I, you know, I have a listener, I have a regular listener. Neil is his name. Neil gives me an email every week. Like I get the, I get a, I get a breakdown of the podcast every single week from Neil. Not every, let's just say two out of two out of four, uh, a podcast, but about half. And, uh, but it's really nice. Um, and he, sometimes he lets me know, didn't like this, didn't like that part, you know, gives yeah. me a, Little gives heads me up. some good feedback. So I think those, for me, those are the, the most important stuff. If you're working towards, I've said this a hundred times, but if you're working, to, if you're getting, not that podcast reviews on iTunes are bad, right? They're good to get. Yeah. If, but work like you should get them. Just don't live for them. Like, you know, you need to do all the necessary hustle and the work to get them. That's, you sh- those are the right things to be doing. But just don't, you know, it's just not, don't, it, I guess, I guess you always say this, don't let it be the, the be all end all. But I think the motivations that are in place, I see this in the podcast groups all the time. Guys are saying, and I'm seeing this a lot lately, Dave. It's like, I am tired of hustling. Like, oh. when is the hustle going to have to end? <laughs> Let me, I got one for you. Yeah. I'm getting burned out. This is from Jason. We'll just say Jason. Uh, I'm getting burned out from working my fanny off, promoting content I'm giving away for free. Anyone have any an- affirmations, mantras, primal screams they can share that will get me through today? I shouldn't have to. S- I shouldn't have to stay in beast hustle mode to get people to listen to an interview with an internationally known celebrity. And then like I don't, I sense like, like I have done all the right things and I got all the right guests and it's not, I mean, there's a little, I think a little bit of burnout going on right now in the podcast community where you can only get like a famous guest. If they're on all everybody else's podcast, everybody's heard them every other place. I mean, I think the trick now today is to find the unique guests. Don't go with the celebrities because you think they're going to promote your podcast. They're not. They're not. And they won't. Well, no, here, they won't. They got a million other things to promote. They're going to promote their own stuff. Yeah. So what I did was um, Paul had, had responded. I'm going to read his response and I'll say what I responded. He said, since you asked, this is my own mindset. I do not do a podcast to speak to the masses. I do it to share with one person in the audience that it will touch. And it touches. And if it touches a mass, then great. If not then that's uh, good too. I keep this perspective so I turn up my best work each week and and not get discouraged when it's a low turnout. Um, this is my podcast. Uh, I care about the audience. I care care about the audience one or or 10,000. I love when I have to read. Uh, again, people don't write the way they talk. Right. Um, speak to one person in the audience. My audience numbers do not make the podcast successful. My dedication to doing my best does. And what I did, and I wish I I knew... Who who originated the story that I stole this from? Um, I always hear Morgan Freeman in my head when I hear this. I, I don't know why, but a young boy. If I was good, to, I can't do a Morgan Freeman. A young boy was on a beach, and just picture this beach. the The waves are coming in, but the beach has is just strewn with starfish, and of course they're going to die because they're they're out of the water. So the little boy is, is picking up the starfish and he's throwing them back into the ocean. And this old guy comes along and goes, "What are you doing?" You know, he's like, what, what are you doing? He's like, uh, I'm throwing these, you know, I'm throwing the starfish back in the ocean. He's like, forget it. You're never going to save all these. Look at it. It's miles of starfish. What's the point? And the little boy picked up a starfish and threw it back into the ocean and said, well, it mattered to that one. And so that's my whole thing. It's like, 
you know, uh, it's, it, I think that's one of the things that, and it's weird because how do you judge somebody's intentions? And I, I, I mean, in podcasting, we're supposed to be in a no judge zone. And I don't know that it's a judgment. It's just that I see, I just always wonder, I'm like, mm, don't know if that's going to work. You know, it's like, it's like putting enough gas in your tank to go 10 miles when you're going to go on a hundred mile trip and you just kind of go, Hmm, that's, I could be wrong, but that doesn't look like a recipe for success. Cause when I was at DC Podfest, there were, there was one woman I talked to who was really skipping the audience and just focusing on the monetization and not again, that monetization is bad, but you sell to your audience. And if you don't build the audience first, it's like, eh, it's, it's not going to work. Yeah. You got to You got to gather those like-minded people. However. And I think there's a, I, th- I, I honestly think there's a lot of luck involved. Like, you know, you can be, I think that's part of it. and doing all the right things. And you got to get that one lucky break. I think, you know, people have defined luck as, is, you know, putting in enough work so that lucky moment can happen. You know, if you start podcasting for a couple of years and you don't hit your lucky moment, uh, and you quit. Well, you, guess what? I can guarantee you're never going to hit it because you're done. You're out of the game. Stay in that game. Um, I think there, there'll be a moment when you'll get some, you'll hit something and it'll go somewhere. Now, whatever that is kind of depends on your niche and what you're doing and how you've set it up and what the options are and how good you are. I mean, there's still some talent involved in this. I think you have to have some natural talent to be able to draw people to yourself in, in your podcast. And so it's, you know, it, I think it's just one of those things. I think you just have to always be hustling, right? A A B H. You always have to yeah. you have to always be hustling. What's the what's the famous I think it was uh, Thomas Jefferson, something like luck is when opportunity meets hard work or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. Brian asked, you know, how, so how do you define a successful podcast of uh, listeners, a thousand listeners, ten thousand listeners? So at Home Gadget Geeks, my my own personal podcast, it's defined as zero listeners. I I, I don't care. I'm going to get on and do that podcast, whether anybody's listening to it or not. I had a great hour with Randy Cantrell last night. Rich Hay from Windows Observer and and um, a, a Microsoft MVP came on my show. We had a great hour and fifteen minute conversation. I probably wouldn't get with Rich unless I was on a podcast, right? So it's one of those things. That's for me. I podcast for me. I don't care. Now I get a couple thousand listeners, and it's awesome, right? But that one's for me at work, totally different scenario. Like I have to worry about the numbers. And so what's the right number for me? Well, we think we have about five or 6,000 active in our community that way it would, it would play to. So I base my numbers of success of off my numbers. We're getting 20,000 monthly audio downloads now, Dave, on that podcast. Well, okay. I'm okay with that. Where I show that to the executives and say, it's worth my time to be able to do this. So every situation is different. I think you got to define that based on the situation, right? Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, um, this week it was kind of cool. In fact, in post-show, cause it's a video thing. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll talk about this, but I got to go be interviewed for TV appearance this week. It was the first time I've ever been on TV. That came from uh, Matt Rafferty, who does the author inside you.com. And, you know, I, you could easily look at the the now Northeast Ohio podcasters group and call it a failure because we've never had more than seven people at a meeting. The last meeting we had three, but yet one of the five, the one week was Matt Rafferty and Matt Rafferty works at uh, the Fox station and somehow got me on an interview on the NBC channel, which doesn't even make sense. I need to ask him like, did you swat, you know, channels or something there? So it's, it's uh, you define success for your podcast differently with every podcast. And that's why I always ask people when they start a podcast, I'm like, why are you doing this? 
Yeah, Dave, I think your meetup group's actually really successful. So we, yeah. we work with a lot of meetup groups uh, at Gallup. Um, we get these StrengthsFinder meetup groups going on around the world. And, you know, they average five to ten. And I think that's actually super successful. Yeah. Just to give you an idea. So we have a forgotten Omaha group on Facebook. And it's really about all the old school. Talk about, a, I shouldn't say this too loud, but talk about a bunch of old guys who are screaming, get off my lawn. That's <laughs> this forgotten Omaha group, right? Pictures of old buildings. Anytime we tear down a building in the city that, oh, memories lost, yeah, you know, right. all this, right? Living, living for the day. Anyways, great group. If you're into history in the city. It's ours is called Forgotten Omaha, and I think it could be a model that could be done uh, on Facebook anywhere else. By the way, every time I look in this group, I think, man, there's a podcast in here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's some great stuff in here. Well, there's four, there's 39,196 people in that group as of today on Facebook. Gigantic Facebook group. They held a meetup in Omaha the other day. They got 12 people to show up, right? You'd think 40,000 people in the group. you think you'd get more than, than 12. It's hard. To get people to come to a meetup. What what time so, is your meetup? Well, their meetup, I didn't go, but their meetup was uh, 7 o'clock. Oh, it's uh, in the evening. Okay. so Yeah, it's an evening at a really nice, not nice, but at a very good restaurant. And how many people they in the group? They showed a movie. They showed uh, somebody in town had just produced this kind of historical look at North Omaha kind of thing. And it was debuted at that at that meetup and they got 12 people. Out of how many? Uh, 39,196 are in the group. All right. We're going to go 40,000 to make it easy. Yeah. It's hard. That I mean, is, think, ooh, that's 0.03%. That's a, it's a small number. Yeah. Right. And it, it meetups are hard. They're hard to get going. They're hard to get sustained. The very first one will be your most successful one in a lot of cases, yeah. right? There's all that pent up, uh, kind of pent up like, yeah, let's get together. And then they get together and then, you know, pretty soon there's excuses like, you know, my son has a soccer game or right. got a basketball game to go to. or I got to go wash my hair or something like that. You know, it's it's you you um, it's they're hard to maintain. So don't be discouraged. And what I'm saying is if you got three. Well, that's three more than you had before and work it and bring value. you got to bring value to a meetup just like you do a podcast. You can't get together and stare at each other. What are we going to talk yeah. about? There has to be something there for them to come to. Yeah, Merrill asks, is podcasting seeing any negative effects due to the abilities now to go live? And I would say it's the opposite. I think more people are now taking their live presentation, this is what we do, and turning it into a podcast. Now, on a good day, we will get 10% of our audience here live. We usually get somewhere between 20 and 30 people here. And then downloads, we get about 400, I think, an episode, something like that. It's going up. Yeah. And so we get about 10% uh, on, on a good day. Um, so that still means 90% is listening later because, you know, it's a, it's 1030 on a Saturday morning and, you know, in Peru or someplace, it's like four in the morning. Who wants to get up that? So, uh, four in the morning somewhere all the time, Yeah, you know, exactly. you just got to pick when you said, when we first picked this time, oh, I, we, I thought we, you were crazy. I thought it was because horrible because like, you were just testing. Right. And we started doing this and we're like, well, let's just keep showing up at this time. And I was like, I, my, in my mind, I'm like, Dave, this is an awful time. You get consistently more live viewers than a lot of live shows that I watch or that I do. And so, I mean, I get 25 or 30 for my Gallup podcast that's during the middle of the day in primetime. What I think is primetime. People are at work. Yeah. It makes sense to watch it, right? Some of those kinds of things. So I think we would do really well on a Saturday morning. You yeah. know, and, you know, maybe it's because we're ahead of, we're just ahead of Rob and, Todd. Yeah, we're the lead in. Well, and then the chat room is saying we are the Saturday morning cartoons. That's right. As he spits all over his microphone. Um, oh. Here's an interesting. Well, 
and not again that this is bad. Sebastian asked, in your opinion, what is the best platform to sell a podcast? As far as I'm concerned, iTunes doesn't offer this option. And I would say at this point, Patreon. Yeah. Is, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. If you really want it to be a podcast, something like that, um, you know, there's Gumroad, but that's really just selling a digital product. Um, Libsyn has an offering where you can basically turn your back catalog into Netflix. Um, so I, but that's one of those where I kind of want to go, how long have you been podcasting kind of thing? Uh, well, the three biggies, right? So, so Patreon direct, uh, you know, direct financing from your, your listener. Mm-hmm. And I think Patreon's the best at it right now and, and pretty reasonably priced. I mean, some people have argued, but I think for what they do in the service they provide, you're not going to be able to put that together yourself off PayPal. And if you do, it's going to be a mess and you, you don't get the monthly reoccurring stuff. So I think Patreon's great. The, the second, right, of course, is affiliate marketing. So getting those affiliates out, whether that's Amazon or whoever your current affiliates at are skim links, some of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Those work really, really well and great opportunities. I've seen a lot of podcasters take advantage of that. And then direct uh, sponsorship. So just going to the organization and saying, hey, 500 bucks for a year, we'll mention you on the podcast, whatever, like wherever you want to throw in. I think when we think about marketing, those are the three, or when we think about money, those are the three primary ways. Everything's a derivative of that. And, uh, and so... Dave, do you think you could? Do you think you can do all three of those successfully, or should you pick one and kind of focus on that? In other words, the call to action is going to be Patreon all the time, or the call to action. Sometimes, if you're doing Patreon, should you be asking for for sponsors since technically your community sponsors you? See, that's the weird thing. I just ran into that. I had I have a Patreon account for my weekly web tool show, and I think I make seventeen dollars a month, so it's paying for my hosting. I'm you know happy with that. And then Jessica Kufferman from uh, JKM Agency said, hey, I got you a sponsor for Weekly Web Tools. And I'm like, ooh, that's awkward. So um, so I took it because I'm, I'm playing with this thing. Yeah. It's, re- it's really weird uh, having a couple sponsors. I'm, I'm really glad I did this because I'm getting a whole viewpoint that I never had before. And it's like, it's not all puppy dogs and roses, I will say. It's business. Uh, like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you producing for me? Right? They're paying. What are you producing for me? That's the, it's a different relationship. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing. And so I haven't got any feedback from my patrons going, hey, what the heck? You know, um, because most of them over there, you know, uh, I think I have one guy that, that put out 10 bucks and then I like another person put out five, another person put out two. Um, but well, and you don't advertise it as being a commercial free zone. No. Right? You don't say, hey, if you contribute on Patreon, we'll go commercial free. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a different, uh, yeah different animal yeah but um, i've heard that question like can you i mean that's a real common question can you do be can you be sponsored by your listeners and also take sponsorship from an organization and is that legit and i think that depends on how your audience sees it ah yes i forgot to bring this up um kim from toastmasters 101.com or dot net i always forget one is dot net one is dot com toastmasters 101.com i want to say Dot net. Okay. Dot net. Um, I was going to 50, 50. Um, and, uh, wants to talk about security and backing up your website. Oh, and so security, I know there's word fence. I know there is, uh, I know GoDaddy. Um, if you sign up at coolerwebsites.com, automatically installs a plugin called limit my login attempts or something like that. That, so if you have somebody who's trying to, to hack your website, they'll just, you know, after so many, attempts that you miss, it just makes you, you know, you can't log in for another X amount of minutes and things like that. Um, Mike Dell says, I theme security. The thing is it's, 
when you're using WordPress, the good news is you have a a huge, you know, uh, community of people to ask if you have a problem. You have all sorts of stuff. Uh, the bad news is if you're a person with malice in your heart and you just want to cause havoc and things like that, well, you're going to go hack the biggest thing. So that's WordPress. So that's the the bad news. And so what I always tell people, we've got a lot of great uh, iTheme security, WordPress for security, Mike Howard says, and Updraft for daily backup. I've heard a lot about Updraft. Yeah, and I use Updraft as well. Yeah. And it pushes uh, really nicely to, to Dropbox. So backs it up and then pushes it to Dropbox. And that, that's a nice way to have that backup done kind yeah. of site. I started using Managed WP, which yep. is dirt cheap. It's like a you know, it's it's like dollars a month. It's I'm not sure. Service. Yeah. What's uh, what's updraft cost? Because I know there's a free version and then there's a paid version. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the paid version. I'm using the free version. Really? It okay. Works just, works just fine. Yeah. Because yeah. the the thing you always want to test, and this is what I I haven't done yet with managed WP. It's not the backup. You want to test the restore. Because that's really the part that counts. It's like you can back it up all day. It's when you restore it, and then you like, how do I restore it without like messing up my current website? Um. You should test too. I think one of those things, you know, I always recommend at the end of the year, there's a couple things and I'm glad they brought this up because we're getting close to the end of the year. So I always recommend between Thanksgiving and Christmas, usually you have some time off from work or, you know, the holidays are just a good time. If you're sitting at your desk, for, you got some extra time, maybe you slow down in your podcasts or, or such, but backup and, and um, you know, backup is one of those things that you really, really want to think about. Security is the other one. So it's a good time. It's a good time to go through your setup back it up somewhere and then see if you can restore it. Now that's the hard part. Like where do you restore it to? And it, you know, there's not, there's no way to test it, like testing it real. And then if you break stuff, I mean, that's hard. Testing, restoring a backup is hard. So there's um, that, that's a whole service all in itself. Yeah. Um, Emily says there's a question in podcasters hang about someone's site being hacked with malware, which is what Kim's talking about and having to pay an exorbitant amount of money to remove this. Yeah, I um, I do. I have a podcast about Jillian Michaels because God bless that woman. She'll put her name on anything and it's available at Amazon as a uh, an affiliate. In fact, she just came out with a new book and that is uh, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, and so I I got malware and it used to be. You could go to places and they would clean it up and it'd be 30 bucks and you're done. And now with places like SiteLock, I use uh, Securi and it's 200 bucks a year. That's it. There's the, you're no, and, and the reason they say this is because most of the time when you get malware once, you're somehow going to get it again. Now, this is one of those where you have to consider the source. I get a thing from Securi at least once a month saying, we have a warning on your site. Like there might be something going on and then the next day I'll get, we cleaned whatever the thing was up. So it really makes it sound like I'm getting my money's worth. But um, yeah, the one thing Randy says, your admin username, do not make the admin name admin because you've given, now you've given, you know, if I'm a hacker, I'm going to try that first because it's a default for many different places. Don't, don't also make it the default user that you use to post the posts because they'll scrape that and try it. You know, have a separate admin username that I would actually recommend it be a weird, a weird set of characters. Right. Treat it like a password. And when you're when you're going in, then you can have, uh, you know, you can have LastPass remember all that stuff for you. You don't have to remember it. Right. You can have LastPass or the, the other the other solutions do it for you. But get that admin thing. That should be a completely separate username and password from every and you don't use it for anything else. 
Right. Like just get that. Don't know other sites, no other places, nothing. You got to get that out. And then both, uh, I think all the security software and I use uh, all in one, right? WP all in one security, I think is the one I use, have the ability to change that the, the WP admin link when you land. So today you go to, you know, your, your domain.com slash WP dash admin, right? That's how you get in the admin console. You need to change that because every hacker knows that's where to land and then start running, you know, their scripts against your site. Well, if you change it to something else, then it can be anything. You can make up anything that you want. Uh, the more obscure, the better. Then they can't find it. And if they can't find the admin page, they can't, lock, they can't hack into your site. So there's another, you know, again, another good thing to do. Go in there and change that admin link. Yeah. Um, Kim asks, my site only has 13 posts. Is it possible to nuke the site and reinstall with a firewall? And I'm, this is where I'm not sure how malware works or where it lives. Because I know you can export. You can go to WordPress and export yes. all your posts and your pages. You could nuke it and then reinstall yes. it. Uh, what you'd, yes. you'd probably want to go into FTP and download your images if you don't have them locally, because that's the one thing that may or may not come over, depending on how you have it set up. I, I just don't know where malware lives. Is that's in the backup? It's it's on the it's on the server. So you're going to have to have. I would have the. I would contact your internet service. Or no, I'm sorry, your hosting provider, and have them completely wipe that out for you. And some of them will reset it up. Yeah. They'll go in and reset up your WordPress instance, and then you can restore that from either a backup or, like Kim is saying, she could just repost those posts. Right. Know, schedule the dates and you can do that for 13. That's actually really manageable, but yeah. you know, for big side, I have 400 posts at the average guy.tv that gets a little unwieldy to, uh, to try and recreate all 400 of those. Uh, Brian says images can be the source of malware. Didn't know that they can hide executable files in an image hide file. Matters. Yeah. And yeah, I, uh, I know um, the other thing you have to keep in mind is for me, I think I would probably have, and this is one of the things you kind of have to keep up with when it comes to backups if you just have one backup, you might in in you only discover. Let's say you you have a backup from yesterday. Well, if you discover the malware that's been on your site for three days, guess what? You you don't have a clean copy of it. Yeah, so you you need to in if there's a setting to say keep you know back it up every two days and keep seven of them. Well, now I've got two weeks of backups. So that is something to uh, do. And people always go, well, how often should I back up? To which I go, how much do you want to retype? You know, that's that's one of those things. Yeah, well, certainly from a backup routine, you, yeah. you would want to daily within a week or two, and then you would want to go weekly for a month or two, and then you would want to go monthly for at least a year. And I would keep an annual backup just so you've got a snapshot of your of your site as it was each year. Now, you know, keeping those for five or six years, I don't know. That's nostalgia. Right. But, but you know, you, you, at least having, you know, because then you can start, you may not know you got mal malware for a while and you may have to back way up to find that. A lot easier to fix three months worth of posts in a whole year. So yeah. that's what I would keep. Kim says it seems the malware uh, file is in, uh, hold on, skip. Seems the malware is only on my subscribe page, which PowerPress created. Should I contact them? I don't, who is them in that case? Kim? That would be, uh, yeah, that'd be Blueberry. I, I doubt it's it's them. I don't think it's PowerPress. I think it's something that just happens to Everybody show Everybody would have that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I would, I mean, Kim, in your case, I would I would back up if it were me. And, and this is where I really enjoy having Maple Grove Partners as my host provider yep. because Christian is crazy about security and it's a small host provider, right? And so he makes sure, he does a ton of things for me on the front end to make sure that doesn't happen to my site. I mean, I... 
my site's better locked down than anything that I know. And, and, um, and so for me, that works really well. When you use some of the big host providers, some of them specialize in that and some of them don't give a damn. So, you know, that's where your host provider, I think, sometimes can help you out. And, and because I'm on a small host provider, Maple Grove Partners, I get some added extra protection. He's constantly monitoring to see where attacks are coming in from. So when they're coming in, and some of the other providers do this as well, when these attacks are coming in, they can proactively start blocking them so that they don't, so it, so it doesn't happen. So your provider is another, another place to check to, to ask the question of, how much are you worried about my security or is this thing just wide open? You know, and I don't, I don't know Bluehost and some of those other ones. I don't know how concerned they are about security. Well, that's what kind of drives me nuts is HostGator used to go in and clean it up for you. They go in and just clean it. And now that they have, of course, an affiliate uh, a program with SiteLock, they just point you to SiteLock. And I'm like, that's kind of poopy, kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. How you can tell, this is what I use. If you go to sitecheck.security, and I hate the way they spell this, it's S-U-C-U-R-I dot net. Um, you can basically put your website in there. It'll go over and scan it. It won't clean it, but it'll say if you're infected or not. And most of the time, if you're where I usually find out is if you'll go to somebody's website. And for me, I think I have McAfee or something, whatever installed and you know, different different websites will flag it and say, hey, th- this has got some issues. Are you sure you want to go there kind of thing? Um you shouldn't have to worry about the Libsyn page. No, that would be. Kim, Kim, I agree with you on GoDaddy and the bait and switch. I mean, it's it's about making money for them. And this is a service they can sell and they kind of got you, yeah. you know, from that standpoint. If it were me, I would, I'd back up Kim as much as I could and I'd, I'd move. I'd move providers and I would, I'd redo the site. So, so if you go to Maple, if you're interested in a small, a small host provider who kind of cares about security. And yeah. I, when I say small, I mean small. Randy and I are on, on Maple Grove Partners, but just go to maplegrovepartners.com. Plans start at 10 bucks. For most podcasters, that's enough. That's media and web hosting combined. And, and uh, so, and that's not one of these things where if you get popular, you're going to get in trouble from that standpoint. And I think his most expensive plan is 30 bucks a month, depending on how many sites you want to do. maplegrovepartners.com. And tell him Jim sent you. Nah, well, it's, it's a, he's my uh, Christian Johnson who runs that. He is, he started podcasting with me six years ago and we started home gadget geeks and, um, and got so busy, went to college. Uh, he's in, he's in, you know, big data is his, uh, what is he studying yeah. at, uh, in information security. So he studies that as well. He's getting, just getting ready to graduate. Smart, super smart kid and really concerned about security. Yeah. And uh, in a great, the, the drawback is it's him and his dad running this, this. So if you think, you know, on Sunday night at, at uh, two in the morning, you're going to make a call and get somebody on tech support. That's probably a little bit of a stretch, yeah. but, but most of the time I get great service from him. And, and again, he does a lot of work on the front end to make sure his stuff is pretty secure. So Kim, I, that's, that'd be my recommendation. Well, and that's, Kim brings up a question. Does that mean I still need blueberry? And the thing I always say about this no, is, um, a, we don't know what kind of stats you would get. And then B, because um, we have people at Libsyn that will come over and they're like, hey, I, uh, you know, I signed up for Libsyn. I'm not getting any downloads. And you go over and they've got whatever, 87 episodes. Guess what? All those need to be swapped out because every time somebody clicks on that and it's pointed to your web host, no, it's not, it's not telling us to count that as a download. And you have to change your RSS feed. Um, if you yep. want all the iTunes subscriptions to, to do that, 
And so, and that's what will happen a lot is people will do the RSS feed and they're like, man, our numbers are way down. And then you go over and every link on the website is still to their old provider. And like, you got to swap those out too, uh, kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's not fun to switch hosts. It's not, uh, impossible. No. I know it's, it, it, once you get in, you get some numbers, like you don't want to screw it up. You yeah. know, I use blueberry for my tracking. So Maple Grove partners doesn't provide stats like Lipson does natively, but, I use Blueberry and from time to time I've paid for the subscription to get the advanced stats. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going on a campaign or I'm going to do something interesting, I'll just pay for the stats for a couple months, make sure I'm doing what I'm doing. And then I'll, I'll, I'll that's what I love about Blueberry, right? Buy it when you need it. When you don't need it, you shut it off. They are awesome about that, about their stats. Their free stats are good enough. So um, I run everything. I run all my stats through Blueberry and uh, and get some great for free. And then I, I have the option to upgrade whenever I want to. And I can downgrade when I'm when I'm done. It's a great service. If I'm rebuilding, she says it won't matter. I'm not sure I follow what she. Oh, means she's it. she's kind of she's going to kind of nuke it and start over. And so she's kind of feeling like, well, you know, the stats that she's gotten to this point may I think may not really matter. And that's maybe true. Um, you know, uh. I, Kim, the nice thing about working with Christian over at Maple Grove is, is it's a, he's a guy that you can talk to. So you can say, hey, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. Here's my problem. He'll, he'll make that solution work for you to, to get it all done based on your scenario. Take a little bit longer than probably the, the, the quick guys, you know, go daddy, spin it up and you're done and you're out there going. But he'll actually take some care into figuring out your situation and try and get you the best possible scenario on the setup. And the other thing you have to be careful of because you're using um – you know, WordPress is your feed. When you blow that thing up, iTunes is going to look at that feed and go, where'd the feed go? So, you, no, but when she brings it back online, it'll come back. Well, I was going to say, so don't keep it offline very long because if it's off two line, iTunes will go, this is not valid anymore. But you got a, you got a couple months, right? I don't think they're mm. checking that off. And that's right? what, that's the part I don't know. That was going to be my thing. I don't know how long it, it takes to, uh, yeah. For no, iTunes to she'd go to another host provider, set up they would set up all the DNS records yeah. and make sure everything's right, and then she would get the name of her dot com slash whatever the feed was okay. before. As long as you're setting up it exactly like you had it set up before. Yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. In PowerPress. I spent some time with Ross this week working through his in PowerPress and you know, this goes this is kind of old school. We were talking category versus podcasting channels. Hmm. and uh, getting him all set up. And so we were walking through the screens and what you got to watch for in PowerPress and stuff like that. So you could, in theory, if you'd been using podcast categories and then in your new site, you set them up as channels, that feed's going to change. It's going to be a physically different URL between podcast categories and podcast channels if you're using PowerPress. So you have to set it up exactly like you'd set it up before from a slug standpoint, right? That's that yourdomain.com slash categories slash then the name of the the name of the category you've put in there to get that to get that feedback if that's what you gave to to iTunes. Dave, one of the tricks I do is every RSS feed gets documented on a sheet of what exactly it is. So one page, because <laughs> I've got a bunch of them. Right. One page, all my RSS feeds. So I don't have to go back into the account to get it. It's just on a page of RSS feeds. That's a that's something I found to work really, really well. The other thing I have is the database name. In in if I yes. go to my C panel. Yes. It's like WP17 is weekly web tools. WP18 is blah, blah, blah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, keep that You've in mind. Last pass, too. You can, those data, the, the database names for, for what you're doing, because you need those. Um, you can keep all that stuff secure in, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in something like LastPass. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Podcast Connect here in a second. The first thing we have to do, of course, man, time is flying today, is uh, thank our awesome supporters. 
over at uh, askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And that uh, includes, of course, the one and only Stargate Pioneer from uh, betterpodcasting.com. Glenn the Geek Hebert from Horse Radio Network. Some guy named Jim Collison from TheAverageGuy.tv. Uh, Alan Meisner from Older Fitness. Barry Kessler, Josh Rivers from uh, CreativeStudio.academy. Frank Brill and Dale Henninger to see uh, the other supporters go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome and uh, thanks for help keeping the lights on here at uh, Ask the Podcast Coach. So, um, but yeah, I got to say something that's, that's, this is one of the things that we saw it on the wall and man, where we write on this one, people are shooting their face off just, just with Podcast Connect because they'll change providers. They go into Podcast Connect and they change that. And I swear I'm going to make a, a video for this because what happens is, what if you changed your address and didn't tell all your friends? That nobody would know where you were. And that's ba- iTunes is looking at your old feed. And what you want to do is, and Mike chime in on this if I, if I'm, because there's some things here I'm a little, or, or Daniel too. Daniel's like Mr. Captain 301 redirect. 301 redirects and the iTunes new feed, from what I understand, leave a, a calling card that says, I've moved over here. And they update your app. And I think they update iTunes. That's the one I'm a little question mark. They update iTunes. So that in the future, um, when somebody signs up for iTunes, they get the new feed. But what happens is if you go into Podcast Connect and just say, I'm over there, that's great for this point going forward. But all your old subscribers are still looking at your old feed. And when you shut that bad boy down, they just, yeah. So, and so many people do that. And I'm like, they're like, so do I have to do anything? It's so Uh, enticing. See that box and you're like, oh, I don't have to do all the hard 301 redirect work because I'm smarter than everybody else. So I'm just going to put that in and then I'm going to hit submit. You're you're screwed. Yeah. So I always recommend 301 redirect, then iTunes. And then after that, you're down to begging people to resubscribe and, you know, things like that. And that's where we had, I had someone this week that, um, you know, not seeing eye to eye on the co-host anymore. And uh, things did not end well. And so I go, well, go to your web host and, you know, ask for a 301 redirect. Because the web host was under the other co-host and they don't own the iTunes. Um, It's not in their login. And I went, you're, you're, you're really, because they were able, I think, to get the, they were going to get the redirect or something like that. But I said, no, but they still own the iTunes. You know, it's under their account. They're like, yeah, I said, realize they can go in any time and just say, delete and I said, mm-hmm. now, if you're cool with that, that's fine. I said, I'm not saying you have to change. I'm just, I just want you to know that's a possibility. Um, it's worth thinking about. Yes. Yeah. That I, yeah, that co-host, the, the co-host breakup part is really difficult. Yeah. And, um, and so it's a, it's a little bit of a divorce. I mean, there's kids involved, right? Yeah. And those kids are your podcast. And, uh, you know, if you want to have to maintain both, that's really something you got to think through. I think if you're going to, yeah. It sounds super fun to get a co-host in the very beginning and you're like, Oh, this is going to work and we're going to be friends forever. And it doesn't always end that. Way. Yeah. So I, I'm not, that. I'm not friends forever. Like the, with my friends in high school, I have one that I, you know, right. we are when we get back right. together, but it's not like, uh, well, but Dave, let's say you and I, I mean, we have a great relationship right. today, but let's just say I disagree with you over the new noteworthy thing that you talk about all the time. <laughs> Stop, Dave, I'm breaking up with you. Right. And so we've set up the relationship here that it's your show. Like, hey, right. I'm done. We're not gonna. And I think, I think my advice to podcasters is don't partner. One person needs to own it. 
and be done. If you're going to have co-hosts, make it very, very clear they're coming on that you're going to do all the work because dividing labor on that is super complicated when you're, when you're breaking that up. And I get why folks do that, but I just really recommend one person owns a podcast because the breakup can be so hard. It gets ugly. It really does get ugly. Emily, I'm dying to ask Emily in the chat room a question. What is your new podcast? I understand you're, you've moved on from classic little podcast. What's your new one? So uh, please throw that in the chat. Um, also, including the link to it, Emily, because it's, it's really good. It's called The Story Behind. The Story Behind, okay. The Story Behind. It's really good. I mean, I, this is, it's good. It's quick. It's, in, it's interesting. It's informative. Right. It's not the blah, blah, blah stuff other, in, you know, other podcasts are doing. I'm not, just kidding. Emily, I'm trying to, trying to pump you up here. So if you, uh, you, you definitely, if you want a good one to listen to and it's quick, uh, that's a good one for sure. Dave so definitely made my list. Dave is going behind here. Ooh, I'm on an iPad. And it's clean. It is clean. The story behind podcast.com. Okay. Yeah. Cause I went to the story behind and I'm like, Emily does a great job and, and she's finding, and, and let me, let me use this as an opportunity. Emily, I hope you're okay with this, but uh, you know, Emily had been doing a podcast before that was very, very similar and they had, they had found a rhythm and it was really good. I mean, I really enjoyed that podcast as well. And they've, uh, they have since moved on and Emily is now doing her own podcast. And I've listened to it from the very beginning and she's an episode, I want to say she, you've done 10 at least, right, Emily, maybe more because they're quick and they're twice a week. Um, and so uh, she is finding her voice in that podcast. So each one has gotten better as she's done it. And, and the first one was good, but they continue to get better on each one. And so, you know, here's a situation. Where I think every time you start a new podcast, the first 10 are really ex- experimental. They're fun. This yeah. Is the, yeah. This is the scary thing about loading up all your podcasts and before you go live and then flushing them downstream all in one shot, chances are they're not that great, <laughs> you know? And it's like, do you really want your first five podcasts that you've done on anything to be the library of work that people base it off of? I'd prefer from a podcasting standpoint, you just get rolling like a podcaster and get 10 or 15 or 20 of those. Get get your voice, find your place, get 20, 25. Then do a big media blast when you feel like you've gotten your, your, you're good at what you're doing and you figured out how you want to do it with your format. Then blow out the big, if you're going to do big advertising and stuff, when your podcasts are really good. I just think the first couple for everybody are, you know, they sounded good at the time, but you get so much better. So, Emily, I've enjoyed watching and listening to you, uh, Rob Greenlee, over at uh, Spreaker Live Show. Same yeah. exact thing. If you listen to Rob's earlier ones versus what he's doing with Alex XM now, so much better. So much, I mean, because he's figured some things out with right. his audience. Well, so, let's, let's, I'm going to give it a jingle. Let's, let's see here. This episode may not be suitable for all listeners. Uh-oh. I talk about the death of Trayvon Martin in the second Oh, part, boy. But you can feel free to skip through that. It's really good, though. As basic as the need for warmth and being covered is, fashion has taken a basic need to a completely different level at times. You could pick up any yearbook from the 1980s as proof of that. But sometimes the most simple of things can create the biggest impact, especially with fashion. Look at what James Dean accomplished with just a white t-shirt. Or even being able to look at the backside of Bruce Springsteen in his iconic jeans and know exactly who he is. As I'm from New England, you can't get much more basic than a sweatshirt at this time of year. I'm your host, Emily Prokop, and this is the story behind hoodies. That's cool. Uh, Right there. What a great intro. 
You know what's funny? As I listen to Emily at like 1.5 or 1.4 speed, and that sounds really slow when she's talking. All of a sudden, you. Emily sounds like this. So today we're going to be talking about like, porn. Yeah, David, you slow that down? That sounds <laughs> super slow. So I get used to the, the super speed podcast. Yeah, Stephen says in the last episode of the uh, School of Podcasting, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you about a $100 uh, exercise I did in integrity here in a second. Um, I did a comparison of the ATR2100, the uh, AT2005, and the Samsung Q2U, and kind of went, you know what, these don't sound quite as, they sound very similar, but I really ex- expected them to sound completely, like, exactly the same. And that, I didn't think they did. Now, the interesting thing is, when I listened to that in the car, I went, maybe they do sound the same. I didn't, but when I listened with earbuds on, I was like, you know, that third one is definitely clear. I listened in the car later and I was like, I don't really hear a whole lot of difference. So I think it's uh, one of those things. Um, yeah, um, I thought that, yeah, it did come in, I think just a little, but I've been. You should listen to the episode. It's a good one. I've been bashing the, uh, the Blue Yeti because I hear a lot of people and it just, it just sounds like this every time they use one. And so. I went out and bought myself. Plus, it was black, and I, I have a. You got the expensive one too, right? Actually, it was on sale. It was less than a hundred bucks. I was like, and "Is that USB and XLR? Uh, is that the Pro? No, I don't believe oh, okay. so. Okay, I thought the I thought the the USB only was silver, and then I thought the Pro was black, and I, I could have the names wrong. And I the the Pro was like two fifty at one point and had XLR in. Yeah, that Are was three. You, sure you don't. Let me double check here. Threaded sure. my blah, blah, blah. I haven't taken it out of the package yet. Maybe we'll do an unboxing. You uh, should. Unboxings are huge. Because one of the things was cardoid pattern, which is basically yeah. this. It's it's that whole picks up right in front of it. I'm like, so I Not think. Really, no. So we'll we'll see. I know you've got one I mean, in the it back. Is. It tries. It tries. And in certain settings, it's a really good mic. Yeah. I, it, but you know, my the, the, I like to say it's sensitive enough; it'll pick up a cricket farting outside. So, yeah. you know, you just you well, got to be careful. And every, every time my chair would squeak, it would pick it up. Well, I know and, most Yetis that I know of are like Jim's; they're sitting on a on a shelf in the background. Yeah, you can't see it. No, I know the, it's it's over to the right a little bit. Here. Yeah, yeah. on the shelf. Um, but I just was like, look, if I'm going to literally say. This is not a good microphone. I want to make sure it's not operator error. And I know, and it's like anything else. Like Rob Walsh uses one, but Rob podcasts, I believe, out of his closet, and he knows to get right up on that thing. And so there's not a lot of background noise. So I, I think it is operator error. And I just thought, well, if I'm going to really be able to say this is why I don't like this mic, I, or if I have somebody who has that microphone, I can say, here's how you, you can get the best sound out of it yeah. kind of yeah. thing. I think if you have a well-treated room and you have a, you have equipment that doesn't squeak and you don't ever touch anything when you're recording something, you don't have papers that are ruffling or a dog barking in the background. Right. I, I, the, the Yetis do just fine. They're really good microphones, but most podcasters aren't in that scenario, right? I mean, they have all those things happening all at the same time. Well, speaking of that, Steven uh, Krieger, says, hey, guys, my mic picks up a lot of sound in my small one-bedroom place, and noise-reducing software just results in the sound jumping in and out between noises. It's not pleasant. Does anyone know or have any tips for sound reduction, anything I could use to absorb or resist the noise? So, of course, everybody jumped in and said, what microphone are you using? Is it dynamic or condenser? And the answer was? That's right. Condenser. Condenser, which, of course, you know, was 
but there's still still things he can do yeah like but it's just expensive you're gonna have to soundproof that room you know you're gonna have to put foam on the walls you're gonna have to seal up the windows you're gonna have to put some insulation on the door yeah you're gonna have to probably think about the ceiling a lot of people don't think about the ceiling you know they'll pad the walls but they don't they don't they don't stop the sound from coming through the floor yeah there's the there's the whole you take a mirror and have somebody walk around it and where you can see the microphone in the mirror, that's where you need to put the sound isolation. Yeah. I think it's a lot cheaper and a lot easier just to pick up a dynamic, you know, pick up one of these dynamic mics. And that's it. That's basically what people said in the Facebook group where they're like, go get an ATR 2100, go over to bestpodcastinggear.com slash shop and pick one up. Um, oh, and sure. Hey Dave, with a few minutes, yeah. five minutes and with Thanksgiving coming up here in the United States this week, I think a good, a good operation for us. And even for those in the chat room, what are you thankful for? This is one of those things we do around the table here at, Thanksgiving time, uh, Dave, I'm, you know, I, I, let me, I'll just start and you can can go. So, you know, every Saturday morning I get to show up and hang out with you, which is a ton of fun. Uh, one, it would have been easy to find a replacement for me when I was gone for what felt like forever in the process. (laughs) Right. And you, 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 uh, soldiered on so to speak. And so I really appreciate the, you and the community that, uh, that we have put together here with this. And I've met a whole, because of the show that I do here, I've met a whole new group of podcasters that I never would have, I never would have met. Now, sometimes they drive me crazy, but most of the time it's a really great community that we have together. And so Dave, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm super thankful for you, the work that you do, your openness online to just be transparent, like, Hey guys, this stuff is hard and I'm not going to gloss it over this is some things you should look out for when you're podcasting. And, and so I know you take a hit for that sometimes because people say, you know, why is he, why is he struggling with this technology when he's the coach? Well, that's because it's hard. Oftentimes it's hard stuff to do. So let, let me say that. And maybe I should be pointing this way. Cause I think I'm backwards the other way, Dave, I'm at, th- at this Thanksgiving time. I'm thankful for you and, and what you do. So I appreciate you. It is. It's, it's, this is one of those things. It's odd. Well, it's not odd. Um, Cause you're a cool guy that, at like nine o'clock, I start getting like, ooh, it's it's time to start looking through the Facebook groups. It's almost time. And Friday night, I'm always like, ooh, tomorrow's Ask the Podcast Coach Day. Yeah. And between the chat room, it's just this is a fun time. This is one of those things where, you know, now we have the Patreon. It's kind of an icing on the cake thing. But, you know, we did this for a long time for free. And, and uh, you know, I'm still um, I'm still always looking to tweak things. I still wish we had like a I didn't we didn't even mention today that people could click the button and call in. Um, we had enough to talk about. Yeah, which kind of proves that maybe we don't need a phone number and a call in and things like that. We get a lot of great questions from the chat. Uh, we'll be hanging out here at um, Fire Talk for another two weeks. I think that we're going back to. Now, here's the thing. This past week, in a, in a long time, I've had so many people say, I'm starting to have problems with Google Hangouts. And I'm like, hmm. I've, I've had a few problems. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But a few little issues. Yeah, I am. And the other thing for me, we just actually did a, a whole episode kind of on this on Podcasters Roundtable that um, I, uh, you know, I got this because in this year was the first year I got introduced to PodFest. And it's one of those six separation things. I found out about Glenn Hebert at Podcast Movement, which led to me getting Glenn the Geek on my show, which led to him saying, hey, you should, he talked to, Chris Kermitzos, who said you should have Dave talk at PodFest and PodFest led to the Messengers documentary. And now Chris has me working on another project for, for PodFest. So it's just one of the things where it's like, and, th- and like you said, half the fun of that is I'm getting to meet more people. So it's, it's uh and this is just a great group. It is a lot of fun because it's, yeah. I realize there's a lot of other things going on on Saturday morning. 
Uh, maybe not. Maybe that's the good thing. There is nothing well, else. Going. I think people sit at their desk and are doing podcasting stuff, and they're listening to us in the background. While um, I, you know, I know a few that do that, and and you know, I always appreciate uh, about this group is this is the best chat room of in a show that I've seen. They just they're, they're knowledgeable, they're kind to one another. There's no trolls. They're just they're they're thoughtful. I just, I appreciate this, this group of, of listeners that we have on Saturday morning. It makes it easy to podcast because they do the work for us in a lot of ways by suggesting things or saying things. And so it's just great to have a chat room that's very engaged. Yeah. Uh, Emily says, I'm thankful for the podcasting community and a lot of people who reached out and told me to get back behind the mic. Listeners of uh, good old classic little podcast. I didn't even know I had. There are a lot of lurkers. That's always fun. Uh, plus podcasting friends who really gave me a lot of encouragement. Uh, Randy says, I'm thankful for both of us for podcasting, good cartoons and good music. Ross Brand, I'm thankful for this show as well. What I learned about hosting, RSS feeds and more. Thanks, Jim, for coming on my show and helping me set up PowerPress. There you go. Uh, Kim says, I appreciate the meetup. I get motivated again every month. Yeah, Monday there you go. is there the Northeast go. Ohio media. Yeah, it's always me, Kim, and some other folks. That's great, though. It, it, but, Kim, if you do it for Kim, it's worth it. Like, yeah. I, that's so important. That As human beings, that's super important that we do those kinds of things for each other. Yeah. It's one of those things. There are times when I'm like, oh, I got to drive to so-and-so, and I got to get out of work. And it's like, But I'm always, I never leave a meetup going, well, that was a waste of time. Right. Um, John says, I'm thankful that Emily's back. Um, me too. I'm just yeah. podcast a lot. I'm I'm one of those guys. I love that behind the scenes stuff. I love the context or the history behind stuff. And so funny you should say that. Uh, this week's episode, um, except I hit the wrong music because it is time to. Uh, where is my Where's our music? Um, this week on the school of podcasting, somebody asked a question. Well, somebody joined the school of podcasting and kind of found out that hey, this podcasting thing is takes up a lot of time. So this week, what I did is as I was working on my Logical Weight Loss podcast, I didn't set a timer. I wish I would have done that. Um, but I, I'm like, I realized I've read probably six different blog articles, and they were long, trying to find my take on a subject. My subject was, is it hard to go through the holidays when you're single? Because that's one of those things where it's like, it's especially like when every uh, jewelry commercial is for the woman you love that is the breath in your thing. You know, I always want to see the the uh, jewelry commercial the next year at Christmas when she's like, Kevin, just get in the car. That's the commercial I want to see. It's got a den in the fender. Yeah. I want no. to hear the commercial when enough isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but I, I went through and I, I kind of like tracked what I was doing. To make an episode, because I think some people think you do just talking to a microphone. I'm like, no, you kind of got to plan what you're doing. So that is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of peeling back the curtain on what did I do to make that episode, um, which is interesting because I think then most people are going to want to go actually go listen to that episode because it's not very, it's weight lossy, but not really. It's it's about the fact that weight loss a lot of times or weight gain is based on emotional baggage that we carry with us, which is put on us by the fact that for the woman you would do, and you know. Um, kind of thing. And then you, you know, everybody else is decorating the tree with people. Why am I not? Uh, kind of thing. So uh, what's coming up on the average guy.tv, Jim, in 27 well, we seconds just, or less? We just had Rich Hay on. We talk and we, you know, we talked to Microsoft. We're off this week for, for Thanksgiving. So everybody yeah. enjoy here in the United States. Enjoy that. But we got, we just got some great podcasts coming up there. The awesome. average guy.tv. And you can find us at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live every week. We'll see you next week. 